0: It's time to play like a jet with your host Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown! Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson, 92 yards.
1: And <laughs> up He'll take it in. It's a and a touchdown. Fell into the middle of that line. And it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. Passed road. There was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know who <laughs> the q Oh my gosh. Thank you.
2: From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason, you can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1, and it is time for the weekend mailbag. So for that, of course, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com, and above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Chris, before we get into the mailbag, can we just take a second to talk about something that I am so excited for, and it's still months away before college football starts, but Mike Leach is in the SEC. How great is that?
1: <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. It, uh, I mean, obviously, it's going to be interesting for a million different reasons, but watching him in that offense, that air raid passing offense in the SEC, that's going to be interesting. Mike Leach tends to be more of a finesse guy. I know the SEC has changed a little bit, especially with the way uh, LSU is doing this year, but it's going to be interesting seeing his offense matchup against these SEC defenses.
2: Mike Leach at Mississippi State is going to be so much fun. By the way, speaking of fun, I don't know if it's going to happen yet. But there's some buzz that Todd Monken may be going back to Oklahoma State to be assistant head coach and offensive coordinator with Mike Gundy. I think that would be an awesome move because he could do really well there and then it would rehab his stock and he'd be back in the mix. It's a shame because I don't think he did anything wrong in Cleveland. His biggest mistake was taking that job in the first place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you you can't really blame him for that because I'm sure he had no idea that he was going to get the job just to basically be shut out. But, uh, you know, that that obviously set him back. Um, and, you know, nobody's going to sit there and be like, oh, well, now we got to hire him again. So he's going to have to go back. He's going to have to work his way back up the ladder. But I'm not going to be surprised at all. If we start hearing his name bubbling up again in a couple of years. Hey, hey, who knows? maybe uh, by the time the Jets are ready to move on from Adam Gase, Todd Mankin will work his way back up to that list.
2: I'm all for it. You know how much I like Monkin, So we'll monitor that situation, but I would like to see him go back to Oklahoma State with Mike Gundy because he had a ton of success there, and I think he could do really well there again. Before we get into the mailbag, Chris, there are a couple of things that I wanted to ask you about that I put on Twitter as theoreticals. One of them was, and I was kind of surprised at the answers here because I put it up as a poll, with the Jets picking at number 11, let's say that once you get to number 9, two of the three top offensive tackles are off the board, and let's say Joe Douglas has determined that those three guys are the three guys by far, they're the elite group, and they're the only ones that he has rated as high first round grades, and we're talking about Jedrick Wills from Alabama, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. And Andrew Thomas from Georgia So let's say any two of those three are gone Also obviously Joe Burrow is gone Chase Young Espensa, Jerry Judy CeeDee Lamb Tua Let's say all these guys are gone Not that the Jets are going to pick Tua Or Joe Burrow anyway But you get the point So you're sitting there and the Jaguars are at number nine One of those tackles is on the board The guys that I just said are not on the board Okuda also not on the board And You can't trade down. Let's just say that either no offers are coming or you're getting no offer worth taking. If you're sitting at number 11, do you jump the Browns because you know they're going to take that offensive tackle if you don't jump them and use a third round pick to do it? Or do you sit at 11 and see what your options are there and decide which player you want based on who's left?
1: All right. So I, there, there's a lot of, a lot of things here, a lot lots of names, lots of moving parts, especially, you know, I, I maybe there's some player who I, I'm not fully familiar with that I haven't fallen in love with yet uh, that I would say, okay, stay comfortable at 11. And if you don't get the offensive lineman, you can take him there. But right now I'm going to say, yes, I'm, I'm trading up and I'm getting that third offensive lineman. Um, I, it, if, if, That first pick, uh, but that number eleven pick, I want an offensive lineman or one of those top uh, receivers. That that's really all I want. Uh, I'm not happy with anything else at this point. Uh, You know, uh, obviously, if Chase Young magically slipped to them, that would be a different story. That's not happening. Um, I I talked about this last year. I I don't care about uh, defense uh, that early. you got to protect Sam Darnold. You got to or give him a weapon, uh, especially if they don't end up bringing Robbie Anderson back, but either even if they do, you need somebody to play opposite of them. So, I I I would if I'm Joe Douglas, I'm feeling like I need to get one of those offensive linemen or one of those top receivers and I'm not settling for anything else. So, I would do that. Yes.
2: Obviously the reason that I pose this theoretical is because of what happened with Andre Dillard last year Where the Eagles jumped the Texans And Joe Douglas was very instrumental in the decision to do that Because he was the right-hand man to Howie Roseman at the time And so I thought something similar could be interesting with the Jets jumping the Browns in a theoretical I agree with you, Chris I would 100% do it because the way I look at it is If you've identified three tackles that you really want and only one of them is left, and if you don't get them now, you don't have a chance at those wide receivers that you're talking about because in this theoretical, they're not on the board. I don't understand why you wouldn't do what you have to do. To jump the Browns and get that guy Because if you feel like he could be your left tackle For the next 10 to 15 years We're not talking about trading for an established player Somebody you're going to have to pay Somebody who's older, may have a history That's different because in that case You could say, oh, you don't want to be burning through picks But I think in this case When you have the opportunity to get that guy That you really want And the cost is a third round pick Give up the third round pick and get that guy You still have a two, a three, and a four to work with After that that you can use on other Needs. Ideally, you would just be able to land one of these offensive tackles, but I think if that's the scenario that you find yourself in, 100%, I think it's the right move. And then the other one I wanted to talk to you about is my theory about Patriots fans being the most spoiled fan base on planet Earth. Because After the Patriots lost to the Titans, I saw so many Patriot fans saying, Belichick was right, they should have kept Jimmy G and gotten rid of Brady. Now, let's assume for a second that those reports at the time were correct, because we don't know for sure if they were. That Kraft overruled Belichick, Belichick wanted to keep Jimmy G and move on from Brady. The Patriots went to three more Super Bowls and won two of them since trading Jimmy G. To me, it's the height of insanity to sit here and say that the Patriots were wrong to do what they did because Jimmy G, as far as I can tell, is a good quarterback. Maybe he becomes better than good. Maybe he becomes great. It's possible, but we don't know that yet. You're going to trade in three guaranteed Super Bowl appearances and two guaranteed Lombardi trophies for 10 to 12 years of a guy who right now all we know is, is that he's good? That, to me, seems ridiculous. There's not a single other fan base in the entire NFL that wouldn't sign up right now for the three Super Bowl appearances and the two victories over 10 to 12 years of Jimmy G. Am I wrong?
1: No, you're not wrong at all. Um, and, and uh, look, I, I saw plenty of people sitting there that sat on Twitter talking about fire, Belichick, and all this stuff. And now, okay, that could be lunatic fringe Uh, But they also were booing the, the team during the season at on certain games. Like, I'm sorry, you're a fan of a team that's done this much winning over two decades. They could be an absolute dumpster fire for the next couple of years. And you don't have, you shouldn't have the right to boo to be able to dominate for over for two decades. Uh, you got to cut them a little slack in a slightly down year, and that, and I mean slightly. Uh, you know, obviously uh, Brady is not near what he used to be. Uh, he gave you six Super Bowl rings, so like, look, I mean, look at how most Giants fans continue to deal with Eli and think about Eli. Um, he he just won them too, but they're. Most of them are forever grateful for those two, and were willing to let him play as long as he wanted to, just out of respect for him. Um, and obviously, Eli was nowhere near as good as Brady; didn't do nearly as much winning. Um, it's it, and it's not just the Patriots part of it too, because you look at the excess, success the Red Sox have had, the you know the Celtics only won that one title uh, in recent years, Bruins once uh, like. They, they are just a, a spoiled area of the country when it comes to their sports, and they react a little bit crazy like that. And, yeah, okay, you probably – I'm not a, a huge Jimmy G guy. I think he's he's decent. Um, but they probably would have been better off with him this year. But I don't know that they went in the Super Bowl last year with him. So, uh, and, again, Brady got you six Super Bowls. Calm down.
2: Well, not only that, Chris, but let's run this scenario through. First of all, Jimmy G had had an injury in New England, and then remember he missed all of last year. Could you imagine if the Patriots had made that move, and then Jimmy G gets hurt and he's out for the entire year? That fan base would have been insane. They would have been screaming, "How could you trade the greatest quarterback of all time and this guy you don't even know what he is, and now he's out for the whole year?" And then Brady goes on and does something somewhere else, and on top of that, again, unlike Eli Manning, Tom Brady was still operating at a high level. He was still arguably the best quarterback in the league at the point that they were trading Jimmy G, and he still gave them several more elite seasons and three more Super Bowl appearances, including two more Super Bowl championships. So, I think that it's the height of insanity To suggest that the Patriots Would have been better off With a guy that as you said Chris Is a good but not great quarterback Maybe he becomes great And see this is where People will compare it to Favre and Rodgers But the reason why that worked out Is because Rodgers is an all-time great If Rodgers just turned out to be Like a solid quarterback There might have been some regret Especially if Brett Favre Didn't get hurt in 2008 And ended up leading the Jets To the Super Bowl or something Then Packers fans might might have been screaming their heads off if Rodgers only ended up being a good quarterback so you can't sit here as far as I'm concerned especially as a Jets fan and tell me that you'd be willing to give up those three Super Bowl appearances and two Lombardi trophies for a good quarterback 10 to 12 years that you don't even know how far he can take you it's ridiculous to me I just can't fathom how anybody could even attempt to make that argument unless they're insanely spoiled
1: yeah, it's nuts, and you you can sit here, um, you know, talking about Jimmy G. I I think uh, San Francisco was the perfect place for him to go with Shanahan. I mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of other coaches that would have him looking like uh, even as good as he is. Um, I think if Adam Gase was his coach, it would be a disaster. Um, I could say that for a, a few quarterbacks, but uh, you know, obviously Andy Reid's another one. He he would thrive with probably, but that they got their guy um so there's a a, and yeah belichick would be able to get the most out of garoppolo i don't think that uh matching what he got out of brady over these last couple years so uh for they're they're playing the result now because they lost one wild card game um and i i think that brady is I I don't think at this point it doesn't seem like he wants to retire, is ready to retire, but I think he should because I think he's pretty washed up at this point. He can still do some things good, but not enough to put uh, you know, a team on his back and carry him to the Super Bowl. But I I'd still be more than content with that if I was a Patriots fan, knowing that we milked the last out of him and were able to win those wing rings at the end. then roll the dice and just hope that Garoppolo could have done it.
2: I'll say this. He may not be the Tom Brady of old, but I think if you put him on a team that has talented weapons on offense, you could still win with him. Now, again, as you said, it's not the same as when he was at his peak and he was putting offenses on his back, but I do think that he's capable of making another deep run if they put the right personnel around him. So if I were the Patriots, personally, I would try to keep him. Or if I was a team that had an opening a quarterback and a bunch of weapons elsewhere, I would go out and try and get him, especially since he, as you said, seems to want to keep playing. While sports can
0: bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep.
2: Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Let's jump into the mailbag now, Chris, and we'll start with our buddy Sean Stalker, who says, Scott, in the very big deal, Chris Nimbly, most of the Jets' beat has given Gase a pass, ignoring the trends he's continued from Miami. Is this just human nature? They saw he would be back another year and figured their jobs, lives, access to him will be better if they don't take the hard stand with a prickly head coach. (laughs) I like how he calls him prickly because it's a perfect description of Adam Gase. I'm going to let you talk about this, Chris, because you're around these guys more. Now, to be fair, I've talked to a lot of them. You've heard them on this show a lot. Manish clearly does not fall into this category because, A, he dances to the beat of his own drum, and, B, he's clearly not exactly an Adam Gase fan. I don't think Rich Simini necessarily falls into this category either. For whatever anybody wants to say about Rich, I think he generally is his own guy. I don't think that he goes in with the herd For a lot of these guys though, I think it's a matter of groupthink. When you hear the same phrases and the same arguments over and over again from the same guys, you gotta remember, they all hang out together, they all talk a lot, so they influence each other's opinions. And I think if you listen to most of them now, you can figure out on your own who has been a little over the top in their praise or their excuse making for Adam Gase. But I think when you talk to most of the beat, what you'll hear is, well, Gase didn't do a great job, but he had the injuries and hey, he hired Greg Williams and they didn't quit on him because they were six and two at the end. And the Johnsons are keeping him anyway, so listen, he didn't do that good of a job, and if he doesn't do well next year, then maybe they should consider firing him, but I don't think it's a smart idea to fire a guy after one year. It makes the franchise look fickle, blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't agree with that at all, but I think it's a matter of groupthink, and I think it's a matter of, as you said, the foregone conclusion. They already know that he's coming back. I don't necessarily think that all of them are doing it because of the access issue. I think it's no. just a matter of this is what they've sort of talked themselves into.
1: The, yeah, there there can be a little bit of that, but it's definitely of the you know access thing. But I think it's mostly they know that they're not. He wasn't going anywhere. Uh, there's. It's also kind of to, to be honest. It's a, a reaction uh, against Manish. Uh, the the rest of the beat is kind of like, look at Manish going this hard. So now we're going to argue the opposite side because it's Manish. So that's part of it. But also sports writers in general, don't tend to be the most outside of the box thinkers. Um, They kind of, and your point about everybody hanging out together, spending time together and talking about it, get uh, stuff together uh, that, that hits the nail on the head because somebody throws something out that sounds like it makes sense. And it's kind of like cliche at this point and everybody just agrees. And they're like, yeah. And it's, you know, you keep hearing about, you can't fire a coach after one year and you don't want Darnold on his third head coach in three seasons. And all that sounds great in theory. And I agree with all that in theory, of course, three different head coaches in three years is obviously less than ideal, but I, I don't think that having two years of Adam Gase is is worth sticking to that mantra. Um, so uh, uh, sports writers get caught up in the cliches and the old ways of doing things so much. They They like to listen to authority and what the coaches that they've heard and talked to over the years have told them and then the newer uh, beat reporters listen to the old beat reporters and this, oh, okay, well, he says that he's been doing this a long time, so he should probably do that. Um, But this is the same thing that leads to whenever people question a coach hire and the, oh, but the they, they wouldn't hire somebody who doesn't know what he's doing. How, are you not paying attention? People get hired who don't know what they're doing all the time. Um, <laughs> Again, this is the, this idea that the NFL is some meritocracy and it's really been earned. It's nonsense. And um, just because somebody's in that position doesn't mean they actually deserve it or actually know what they're doing. Or maybe they did at one point, but the game has changed so much. Um, football is coaches and DMs are more stubborn and less willing to adapt than most sports sports. And the same goes for the writers that cover them because they end up talking to these same coaches and the coaches tell them what it is and they go, all right, that that makes sense. And they don't really question it. And again, the sports writers don't tend to be super outside of the box thinkers. Um, I, I, I was joking with you about this last night. We were texting. I get looked at as, as a contrarian a lot of times because I'm willing to be like, yeah, no, that doesn't make sense anymore. When People think I'm doing it just for contrarian's sake when I'm like, no, I'm paying attention to everything that's going around in the league to watch how offensive has changed, how defenses have to change. And I'm looking for ways to adapt to that instead of just being like, oh, well, this, this coach who's been around forever thinks this. Well, yeah, he thinks that. He's been around forever. I want somebody willing to adapt. So I, I, it's a combination of all those things. But, again, it, it's really a lot of just they're mostly who they're listening to are people who just spout these type of old cliches that have been around forever. And they're just, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And they, they don't really press harder and they don't really think about it much more.
2: Any reporter who is basing their opinion or anything on being anti-Manish seems a little juvenile and silly to me. You're a professional, and you can disagree with Manish, but to take it to the level where your reporting or your columns are being informed by just wanting to disagree with Manish just seems a little weird. I'm not even accusing anybody of that, but if that is the case, it's very bizarre. Yeah,
1: I don't think anybody's like, uh, there, there's not anybody who's sitting here thinking, hey, Adam Gase should get fired, but Manish is saying that, so let me take the opposite stand and fight against it. But there, there, there's a little bit of poking, a little a little bit of like, <laughs> yeah, all right, then and a poking at Manish, and uh, it's been that way for a while. Manish is, you know, he's he, he has ruffled a few feathers on the beat over his years.
2: Yeah, that's one way of putting it, and I would say you're putting it quite mildly. Next question comes in from Joe Heldman. He says, would you be mad if the Jets drafted nothing but offensive line this year? Not in the least.
1: Uh, Not only would I not be mad, I would be praising Joe Douglas till the cows come home. Yes, (laughs) yes, do it, do it, do it, do it. Uh, Mix in a receiver if you want, but I'd be all for just going all offensive line. Um, <laughs> and obviously that depends on what happens in free agency, if they're able to get somebody there or whatever, but, uh, I am, I will never be, uh, be against drafting a whole bunch of offensive linemen. Um, the offensive line is w- so much more vital than people realize. And even people who realize it don't like to talk about it enough. And I'm guilty of this too. Cause some, you know, you can get caught up in the more of the shiny new toys that are more fun to watch and, and fall in love with. um. So I get it, but yeah, I, I will never, ever knock somebody for, oh, they took too many offensive linemen. Uh-uh. Then 10 draft picks over the next two years on all offensive linemen. Go for it. I, I'm not going to hear me criticizing it.
2: That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, don't forget to check out all the rest of the great podcasts that we did earlier this week. The first two installments of the Off-Season Roundtable, we do this every year. The first one was on Monday with Chase Stewart, who is the founder of Football Perspective, and his brother Jamie Stewart, who is an Emmy Award-winning sports reporter for News 12 Long Island. Then on Tuesday, it was a brand new episode of Chronicles of Nannia featuring the great Michael Nania breaking down the nuts and bolts of the 2019 Jets offensive line and how it affected Sam Darnold. Spoiler alert, it wasn't pretty, but trust me, you want to hear all the details on that because it'll really put some things in perspective for you. Midweek with Manish, we talked about the Jamal Adams contract situation, but also had a really spirited debate about Josh Allen and Sam Darnold, so that's well worth listening to. Thursday was roundtable number two with Andy Vasquez, the beat reporter covering the New York Jets for the Bergen record and NorthJersey.com. And then former New York Jet Jamal Westerman joined the show for Off the Edge, talking all about the art of edge rushing Giving his performance review of the current Jets edge rushers, talking about some of his favorites both in the past and currently, dissecting the free agent class of edge rushers, and most importantly, above all of that, doing a hilarious chuck smith impression he also told a really awesome story about the legendary jason taylor as well so make sure you listen to all of those shows before we move on to part two of the mailbag which will be coming up tomorrow if you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review yet if you could do that for us really appreciate it if you enjoy the show and you want to help out this is an easy way to do it it doesn't take much time it doesn't cost you any money but it does a lot for us so we'd be very grateful if you went ahead and did that for us Follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.